And if we will depend on the Holy Spirit for our decisions, the first rule of thumb is that you must come to a place in your life Christ is in full control, not part. Life is a journey, and as in every journey, you need a roadmap. Today on Your Roadmap to Success, you will receive detailed instructions on how to navigate through life successfully. Welcome to Your Roadmap to Success with author and teacher, Neil Achampon. Let's just get right into the Word of God, and we'll do the other things later. Uh, we will continue with our series of lessons on the subject of um, the book of uh, Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, Acts of the Apostles, all right? And in our previous study, we have understood two basic things, that the book of Acts shows us what happens when a church is infused with the Holy Spirit, Amen. We also established that the book of Acts shows us when a church functions without the Holy Spirit leading them. Amen. I've often found that when many people read the book of Acts, they tend to idealize the book and make it look like the New Testament church was some extraordinary church. Truth is, that's not true. It was in that church Ananias and Sapphira as well. And they could lie to their leaders, and they didn't care. It was in the same church, Simon, the sorcerer, who became saved, still offered money to be given the power so that he can what? Pray for people to be healed. I can go on and on and show you that the church in the early days was not perfect. What the book of Acts actually teaches us is that no matter how jacked up you are, if you allow the Holy Spirit, to indwell you. God can do so much with you. Amen. amen and amen. And today's lesson, we will look at the subject, making choices. Making choices. And the choice that the church made was a choice they made without the power of the Holy Spirit. So the same way I showed you that the book does not only talk about how the Holy Spirit infuses people, but there are sections of it where people functioned without the Holy Spirit leading them. And today's lesson is one of them. So let's pick up the reading from the book of Acts chapter 1, and we'll read from verses 12 all the way to verse 26. I will use for our discussion today the New Century Version. All right, Acts chapter 1 from verse 12. Let's read the entire story, and we will discuss it thereafter. Then they went back to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, you all remember that Jesus had met them after his resurrection, and he tells them to go and wait. And then the scripture says, while they were looking at him, he was caught up into the heavens. You remember that part? All right. So after that meeting, then they went back to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. This mountain is about a half mile from Jerusalem. 
When they entered the city, they went to the upstairs room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphio, Simon, also known as the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, were there. They all continued praying together with some women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' brothers. During this time, there was a meeting of the believers, about 120 of them. Peter stood up. Everybody say Peter. Peter stood up and said, Brothers and sisters, in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit said through David something that must happen involving Judas. He was one of our own group and served together with us. He led those who arrested Jesus. Judas bought a field with the money he got for his evil act, but he fell to his death, his body burst open, and all his intestines poured out. Everyone in Jerusalem learned about this, so they named this place Al-Kadema. In the language, Al-Kadema means the field of blood. In the book of Psalms, Peter said, this is written, May his place be empty, leave no one to live in it, and it is also written, Let another man replace him as a leader. So, now, a man must become a witness with us of Jesus' being raised from the dead. He must be one of the men who were part of our group during all the time the Lord Jesus was amongst us, from the time John was baptizing people until the day that Jesus was taken up from us to heaven. They put the names of two men before the group. One was Joseph Basabas, who was also called Justus. The other was Matthias. The apostles prayed, Lord, you know the thoughts of everyone. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to do this work. Show us who should be an apostle in the place of Judas, who turned away and went where he belongs. Verse 26, read with me, shall we? Everyone, verse 26, ready? Read. Then they used lots to choose between them, and the Lord showed that Matthias was the one. So he became an apostle with the other 11. Amen. Very bizarre story. Jesus has resurrected. He meets the disciples. He talks to them. He commissions them to function and to work for him. And uh, it's amazing that the whole book of Acts covers, if you look at Luke, who wrote it, He's already written about three years of Jesus' life. The entire book of Acts covers 30 years. And then he pauses to put this story in here because it's important. And today as we discuss this story, you would recognize why this is so crucial, why this is so important. Amen. In the story, we are told that the 10 days before the descending of the Holy Spirit, that is on the day of Pentecost, those 10 days they were waiting according to the instructions of Jesus. And whilst they were waiting, the scripture says, Peter stands up in the midst of them and he quotes a scripture in the Old Testament about the fact that somebody had to replace Judas. 
And then the scripture says, they nominate two individuals, Justus and Matthias, and then they pray and they cast lots, and then a person is chosen to replace them. We see here in the text, one choice be made, someone to replace Judas. And the concept of making choices is in the text. Do you see it in here? Do you see making choice in the text? But remember, at this time, whilst they were doing this, the Holy Spirit's power had not yet descended on them. So they made a choice without the Holy Spirit. So if you look at it, they use casting of lots, which is an Old Testament model. And today what I want to impress on your heart is that asking Alexa to flip a coin. Oh, yeah. You can tell Siri to choose hats and tails. And drawing something out of a hat as a way of making decisions is an Old Testament model. In the New Testament model, Jesus wants you to depend on one and only one individual. He's called the Holy Spirit. And here we see the apostles meeting to choose a successor. And personally, I believe they made a mistake. Because later on, Jesus chooses. He chooses Paul. I will show it to you. Are you ready to study God's word today? Don't worry, I'll challenge church out of you. I want you to pay attention to it because the New Testament church was not extraordinary. They were ordinary people like us, but they subjected themselves to the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's begin by asking a question that did they choose a successor or did they simply just act before the proper time? Two things are possible. First of all, it is possible they choose the wrong person, which is what I believe they did. Pastor, you just said apostles did. Yes, they did. Anytime you do not function by the Holy Spirit, you will make mistakes. I want you to learn those lessons. It doesn't matter your title. If you put the Holy Spirit on the shelf, this is why I believe that they may have made the wrong choice. Do you realize that in those 10 days, who started the whole idea of choosing a person? We just read it. Who, did, who brought the issue? Peter. What is Peter known for? Not fishermen. Peter is known for making rash decisions. He's very known for it. The only time Peter changes is when the Holy Spirit descends upon him in Acts chapter 2. And the guy is an entirely different individual. And remember, whilst they were making this choice, the Holy Spirit has not descended. So Peter, as an individual who pushes things before right timing, makes me believe that they may have made the wrong choice. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 1. And I want you to look at verse 4, because Jesus told them exactly what they were supposed to do, and choosing a successor was not one of them. It is very easy that religion can teach you and show you how to do things, but if you allow the Spirit of God to step in, you realize that the mistakes you're making 
In Acts chapter 1, let's look at verse 4. Please read with me from the screen if you can, shall we? Once, when he was eaten with them, he told them not to leave Jerusalem. He said, wait here to receive the promise from the Father which I told you about. Do you see voting in here? So number one, the guy who brought the suggestion rashes with decisions. Number two, they just disobeyed Jesus. Is that church different from you and I? Sometimes when we read a book of us, we make it look like they were very super people. They were super after the Holy Spirit showed them. And all throughout the book of Acts, you will realize that any time they did things without the Holy Spirit, they did something silly. So secondly, I do believe they may have made the wrong choice because they disobeyed Jesus. Jesus never told them to go and choose a successor for Judas, yet they did. Number three, turn with me to the book of John chapter 16, because here Jesus tells them how the New Testament model of making decisions is going to happen. John chapter 16, I wanted you to look at the 13th to the 15th verse. John chapter 16. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all, into all, and that includes the decisions you make. If you want to make the right decisions, the scripture says you need the Holy what? Spirit. He will not speak his own words, but he will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. The spirit of truth will bring glory to me because he will make what I have to say and tell it to you. Verse 15, all that the father has is mine. That is why I said that the Spirit would take what I have to say and to tell it to you. Did the disciples wait for the person who was supposed to help them make decisions? Did they? Come on, talk to me. Did they? This is why I believe that they may. They may have made a wrong choice. Another reason for which I do believe that maybe they may have made the wrong choice is that they are trying to figure out who should replace Judas. First of all, all these disciples, who chose them? Who chose them? So what business do they have replacing someone Jesus chose when Jesus told them, wait, I wanted you to pay attention. Sometimes we can do things in prayer meetings because they just had a prayer meeting. And it's very easy to pray and still not listen to the Holy Spirit. I wanted you to pay attention. Because sometimes prayer is just a religious act for us. I've often heard people who pray in tongues, and sometimes tongues is a language. We need to be careful. So my question is, how do you choose a successor? to replace someone who was chosen by the Lord himself when he didn't tell you to choose as a sexer. Another reason is that they use a model. Now they pray. So many people will say, oh, but pastor, they prayed. They use the word of God as a basis. But I want you to understand, they started from disobedience. 
And anytime you start disobeying God, it doesn't matter the things you do. You have disobeyed him. Amen? Now, let's look at the model because the model they used was custom lots. It's an Old Testament model. The book of Proverbs, if you look at 1818, the Bible says, Throwing lots can settle arguments and keep two sides from fighting. And if you look at the Old Testament, custom of lots was used. But Jesus is reminding them that I have ushered in the new covenant in which you depend on the Holy Come on, talk to me. In which you depend on the Holy Now, many people don't want to wait for the Holy Spirit. So we still use the Old Testament model of making decisions. Lord, if it is you, put a fleece. It takes a little bit of work to walk with the Holy Spirit and to hear. We don't want that. We want it quick. So we ignore that. Today, I want you to be reminded of this truth. You can make a choice, and the entire church can be involved in it, and you might still be wrong because you did not do it God's way. The book of Proverbs, if you look at another verse, Proverbs 16.33 says, People throw lots to make a decision, but the answer comes from the Lord. Did you hear that? It means that throwing lots or casting lots or voting or asking Alexa to flip heads. The first time I told Siri, Siri, choose heads. It was a decision. And then he chose it. I said, but that's wrong. Based on scripture, that's wrong. And Siri chose it for me. And people are making decisions like that today. What is your decision-making process? Is it a New Testament model or an Old Testament model? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 1. The final reason I want to give as to why I do believe that this apostles, without waiting on the Holy Spirit and jumping the gun, may have made a mistake. The book of Galatians chapter 1 verse 1 tells you that somebody was chosen by Jesus himself. And that's Paul. Now, pause for a second before we read the scriptures and let me show you something. If you read the book of Acts very carefully, what did Jesus tell them from last week's lesson? He says, wait for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive what? Power. Then you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem. Uh-huh. And in Judea. And then in Samaria. And then onto the uttermost part of the earth. From Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit came all the way to chapter 8, verse 3, the people stayed in Jerusalem. You're telling me they were very obedient. No, they are not. They were disobedient like us today. They ignored what Jesus said. So the scripture says there was persecution and it forced them to move outside of Jerusalem to what? To Samaria. But then after that, they stopped. They didn't do it. They form a church council in Jerusalem, judging between Jews and Gentiles. Until Paul was released with Barnabas and a few others in Acts chapter 13, then they obeyed the last part. 
by taking the gospel outside of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria unto the uttermost part of the earth. Are you with me? Why? Because that is the guy Jesus himself what? chose. Read with me from Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Shall we all read together? Ready? Read. From Paul, an apostle. Pause. Paul says he's an apostle. What kind? Remember the disciples says they gave a criteria that it ought to be someone who had been with them from the beginning of John's baptism until the day Jesus was what? Resurrected. All right? Now let's look at Paul because Paul was nowhere near that. So how does he become an apostle? Let's continue reading. Go with me. Go. From Paul, an apostle. I was not chosen to be an apostle by human beings, nor was I sent from human beings. I was made an apostle through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. Notice he mentions not only Jesus, but God the Father. And Jesus said, what I hear the Father say is what I... So Paul is saying, when he met me on the road of the Damascus, he was fulfilling the Father's will. Matthias, no wonder, after he was chosen, was never heard of. But they had a prayer meeting. There was a scripture from the Old Testament to base their decision on. I want to show you how you can make mistakes. An entire church can make mistakes when we ignore the Holy Spirit. There are some who also will make the argument that mm, maybe they made the right choice. I'm becoming a devil's advocate, right? Looking at both sides. Maybe they made the right choice. And the reason may be the fact that the decision was based on Old Testament model. But it's still, even though we're in the New Testament, the Old Testament hasn't passed yet. But let's just be honest, and let's come back to this simple thing. Did Jesus ask them to elect a successor? Did he? I do believe that that is why Jesus chose Paul. Because he realized them people, all of them, were disobedient. They never moved past Samaria. They sat there and waited. There are some who make the argument that Peter was the apostle to the, to the Jews. Who made him apostle to the Jews? When Jesus said, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. And then he chose to make himself an apostle to the Jews. So sometimes God may have gifted you to do something and you might be doing it your way. Anytime you marginalize the Spirit of God in your life, you're bound to do something crazy. And I want us to be very careful. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 3, because we are capable of doing our own things and sometimes make it look like it's God who is doing it. Are you in Romans chapter 10? Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And let's look at verse 3. The old King James says something very, very powerful. And um, I want us to... Well, let me read it from the Christian Standard Bible. Listen to me. It says, Since they were ignorant 
of the righteousness of God and are tempted to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. How many kinds of righteousness is being mentioned in this verse? It's just two. Is your righteousness or God's righteousness? He said, since they did not know the righteous ways of God, they established their own what? Mm -hmm. The only entity who can show you God's way of righteousness is the Holy Spirit. And the book of Acts is showing is that the church can have its own righteousness. Let's read from the New Century Version. Because they did not know, because they did not know, because they did not know, how are they going to know? Is it through a council? Is it through a liturgy? Is it through a bylaws? Is it through constitution? The answer is no. It is through the Holy Spirit. Because they did not know the way that God makes people right with him, they tried to make themselves right in their own way. So they did not accept God's way of making people. You see, it is very easy to establish your own righteousness. Very easy. And it's because of our ignorance of God's righteousness. One time, somebody asked me a question. He said, Pastor, why is it that sometimes you allow people to do crazy stuff and not just step your foot and do something? I said, God knows we would disobey him, yet he gave us our will. I said, if you walk with God for real, he will show you that you should never force anybody. Always crave their indulgence. And the reason is this. Because he has given you a will to choose, he gets to judge you. Because if he forces you, then he cannot judge you. And I said to the person, the way of Christ is to simply just teach his word and let people make the choices. Because judgment is already woven into our choices. Are you with me? It is very easy to make our own righteousness. When we put two people here and we ask them to pray, and one of them pray this way. Come on, everybody listen. Father, we thank you. They are all praying about the same thing. Father, we thank you for the fact that you are a great and an awesome God. We give you all praise and we give you all glory. Even in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. King of glory, we worship your holy name. We lift you up. In the name of Jesus. When we are done, the two people who actually prayed, tell us. Because we have established our own righteousness as to how prayer ought to look like. Meanwhile, before God, it might be the one who said few words. Because God's righteousness is your heart, not your words. Not how articulate you are. Because he knows he has made us all human beings and some garaps, others don't. So he chose not to look at our raps, but our hearts. It is very easy to establish our own righteousness as a church. 
And some of us are establishing it in our marriages too. It has to be this way. We must come to that place that we establish our righteousness and it must be based on God's righteousness. Are you with me today? The apostles met. Judas is gone. We are supposed to do this work. Somebody else can come and replace it. Meanwhile, Jesus has already told them, wait, never attempt my work without my spirit. And they already started choosing. Today, I wanted you to ask yourself, the decisions you're making, is the Holy Spirit in it? Or you just put him on the shelf and when you are done, you ask him to rubber stamp it for you. As we study the book of Acts, I want you to look at the book in its entirety. Many, many years ago, I looked at it like it's a book and it's a church of super spirituals. The guys were superstars. Peter, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Luke continues to describe it. Chapter 6, they are fighting over food. So they choose deacons. Now, today, we have turned deacons to become a board. But originally, they were brought because they were supposed to share food. You see how we are establishing our own righteousness? I pray that God opens your eyes as we study. Amen. Amen. So back to today's lesson. It is very, very easy to create our own righteousness. I took time to look at some of the modern day, the ways people are making decisions. People that are similar to um, casting of lots, throwing of dice. Do you know people make decisions by just throwing dice? Anytime you watch soccer, how do they determine which team kicks the ball? Heads and tail. Then the referee says, yeah. Then they made a decision. Alexa can also tell you. If you ask Siri, should I go out today? Siri, he or she, whichever one, can tell you, don't go out today because, or if you're going out today, get your umbrella because it's going to rain. And so our dependence on the Holy Spirit is gradually being depleted because there are so many models around us that looks good, but it's not God's righteousness. Are you with me today? It is not. So let's answer a very important question and then we will close. How... Do we, or how can we depend on the Holy Spirit to make decisions? How can we? How can we? I have learned that there are several things through the scriptures, but please pay attention to the order I am going to put these things. Don't interchange them. I've learned that the best way to allow the Holy Spirit to help you make decisions, number one, is to give him 
full control of your life. Full what? You see, I put them in caps. Give Christ Jesus and his spirit full control, not partial. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. And please, if you will, I wanted to read this verse with me. We'll read it over about five times because I want it to sink into you. Are you guys ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19. If you will make decisions that reflect the heart of the Father, it begins with giving him full, absolute control. You have to give everything over to him. God my mind, my everything. And there are people who would want to help you establish your own righteousness by telling you you are wasting time. Be smart. Tell them you will choose not to be smart. You want to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Are, are you guys with me? Now, this principle is very simple. Go all the way back to the book of Genesis. In the beginning when God created mankind, what did he say? He said, of the day you eat of the fruit of this, the garden that I said, do not eat, you will surely one. Come on, talk to me. You will surely. I'm trying to explain that the principle we have seen in the New Testament began from the beginning. If my began from the beginning is a good language. Mankind sinned, but the Bible says Adam lived. For almost 930 plus years. So either God was not telling the truth when he said, if you sin, you will die. Or he was referring to something else. And we all agree that death to God is not the physical death, but what? A spiritual death. A separation when the spirit that he gave to them literally separates from them. So the Holy Spirit has been present from the beginning. And God's intent was not for mankind to depend on libraries, but was to depend on the Holy Spirit. When he speaks, then you can research. But you don't research and ask the Holy Spirit to confirm your research. Are you guys with me? God wanted us to depend on his spirit because that is the only way we can link up to him. Anything outside that is error. And if we will depend on the Holy Spirit for our decisions, the first rule of thumb is that you must come to a place in your life, Christ is in full control, not part. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Please, from the screen, shall we, in the King James, shall we read? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which ye have of God, and you are not your own. Now, when we get to that last part, take the ye out and say, I, I am not my own. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I am what? We read it, but it hasn't sunk into the hearts of many believers. Because when they talk, when they do things, you realize they are in control. God is not. 
You must come to that place where it's like it's him. You are at a workplace. I'm illustrating that. You are at a workplace and you realize that some co-workers are messing around with you. The Holy Spirit nudges you and say, do not say a thing. But because you are still your own, you feel like, no, no, them people should not. If I keep quiet, these people will have their way. So you start talking and you create more issues. And then you have to go back and say, Holy Spirit, can you come and clean up when he spoke in the first place? I am not my own. Say that with me. All right, we only read it one time. I said we'll read it five times. Ready? Go. What? Don't I know that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in me, that I have of God? I am not my own. Let's try it again. Go. What? And I am not my own. Whose are you? Yeah, we are saying it, but has it sunk in that you are not your own? So when you make decisions, if you belong to someone, then that person ought to be the one making what? That decision. I am not my own. We read it three. We're left with two. Ready? Read. What? No, I not that I am. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in me, which I have of God, and I am not my own. If anybody is sitting close to you, look at them and tell them, Cha, you are not your own. I will interpret child to you later on. You are not your own. Say that with me. No, no, no. I said you are not. Let's say that. Go. You are not your own. Don't look at anybody's face this time saying that. Let's say it again. You are not your own. You are not. But many of us, we are still our own. There is a process in coming to that place when you lay the flesh at the altar. Remember what I used to say that the flesh is an unwilling participant in the matters of destiny. Anytime the things of God comes into play, your body will tell you that you are a very awesome person. I am not my own, so I cannot post anything on Facebook and YouTube until he sanctions it. I am not my own. My body, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, we keep establishing our own righteousness. God says, no, I have my own. It can only be revealed to you through the Spirit. Amen. So the first rule of Tom is that if I can depend on the Holy Spirit to make decisions, there has to be a total surrender. 
I must give God full. Come on, talk to me. Full. Come on, talk to me. Full. Secondly, I must connect with the Holy Spirit through prayer. Pastor, so you are saying that all the smart guys around, I'll come to that. God gave us smart guys for a reason. But they don't take the place of God. Secondly, I must connect with the Holy Spirit through prayer and allow him to detect to me. If he's in full control, then he should be able to detect to us. Are you with me? And if most believers, if most husbands, if most wives would allow themselves to be detected to by the Holy Spirit, there will be no marital counseling. Because he will already tell you and speak to the other one. So there's no problem. The only reason we have thousands of hours of counseling with people is because we are our own. Everything goes back to that. When you reach the place where you realize, I am not my own. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to take time. This is quite a lengthy reading, but I will read all of it for a reason. The other ones we will jump in. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's read from verse 9 to verse 14. Are you there with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But as it is written in the scriptures... No one has ever seen this, and no one has ever heard about it, and no one has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Pause. I want you to think through this verse. What this verse is saying is that there are many things you and I don't know. So whenever we start making decisions, we must remember that the Holy Spirit that we are connecting with knows the things that we don't want to know. Are you guys with me? With that in mind, let's all read verse 10. But God has shown us these things through the Spirit. The Spirit searches out all things, even the deep secrets of God. So he's telling you that concerning your destiny, the Holy Spirit knows it. And if you can connect with the Holy Spirit, it means you don't need a prophet. Are you with me? In the Old Testament, most of the prophets didn't give prophecies about individuals. The individuals who received prophecy were mostly kings. Today, it's all about there is a demon in the cupboard at home. Some would say, what, I see G and I see A and they spell names. And we become enthused with that. And ignore the very individual who Jesus said you need. And we are making decisions without the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he knows everything and he even knows the deep secrets I sense to correct something. Maybe you are saying, oh, pastor hates prophets. I bring some here. No. There is a session where that is needed. Are you with me? But the way the church goes about 
prophecy today sometimes is this happening. Now, how many of you are still on the Act Challenge when I ask you to read the book of Acts? You're still doing it? All right. You will find out that there was a prophet called Agabus. He met Paul, and then he took Paul's ghetto and then wrapped it around himself and gave a prophetic word about the fact that Paul was going to get killed where he was going. What did Paul do? He still went. He ignored the prophetic word and still went. Why? Because the prophet was only speaking what he was seeing. There is a difference between what you see and what you hear from God. The two things are different. A real prophet is the one who sees it but hears the voice of God concerning what he's saying. Not somebody just trying to tell you, I see a hole here and people are excited about the hole. What would the hole do for my salvation? After he's gone, who else is in that hole? He gave some apostles, prophets, all that. It's important. But let us not get it twisted around. Because anybody who operates outside the Holy Spirit, you must throw in the garbage. Are you with me? Until the person is willing to make the changes. We must connect. First Corinthians 2, 11. Who knows the thoughts that another person has? Only a person's spirit that lives within him knows his thoughts. It is the same with God. No one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Verse 12. Now we did not receive the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit that is from God. What kind of spirit is that? The Holy Spirit. So that we can know all that God has given us. Wow. He says, every believer in Christ who is born again, who the Holy Spirit has descended upon, you have the ability to know everything that God wants you to know. But he says the only way to know it is through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at how we get to know. In verse 13, read with me from the screen this time. Shall we read? And we speak about these things. Pause. What are those things? The things that eye has not seen. The things that ear has not heard. The things that God has prepared for you who love him. The Bible says we speak them. How do we speak them? Because sometimes there are things our spirit knows that our head does not know. Let's continue reading the scripture. Ready? Go. And we speak about these things, not with words taught by uh-huh, human wisdom, by, but with words taught by the Spirit. Pause. What are words taught by human wisdom? I'm speaking one of them. English. Siempre. Spanish. They are words taught. By human what? Wisdom. German. Three. Ewe. What is the one you guys speak in Liberia? Lama. Words taught by human beings. He says the things that God has for us, we get to know about it through the Holy Spirit. But he says we speak them. We actually speak them. It's interesting. 
How the Bible says we speak them. But he says whenever we speak them, we don't speak them through English. We don't speak them through all the other languages we just talked about. He says we only speak them by words that are taught by the Holy Spirit. What are the words taught by the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 2, speaking in tongues. What are the words taught by the Holy Spirit? You continued. So don't speak tongues anyhow. And after that, Acts, I don't know what God wants. There is error that after you speak in tongues and don't know. Because he says he would use your own words to speak your own future. It means this Holy Spirit thing is not something we should mess around with anyhow. It's got to be serious. That is why Yoshito, Yahama, Montage 8, we can put them together and call it tongues. You have to make sure that when you sense and begin to speak, you are speaking. Because by the time you, you are done, your mouth has spoken things that your spirit knows, and those things will be downloaded into your head. You begin to write, mm, no. Yeah, God will do this. Yes, God will do that. Yes, God will do that. How do I know? Because the Holy Spirit use your own mouth to speak them. Are you with me? Are you with me? So those Christians who also hide behind, does everybody who have received the Holy Spirit speak in tongues? You need to be cautious because there's a level you must get to that is needed here. Amen. Verse 14. A person who does not have the Spirit does not accept the truth that comes from the Spirit of God. When you tell a Christian these days, this is not God's way, they stand to tell you, but you know it's done in other churches. That is a clarity of the fact that the Holy Spirit is absent. Because if it's there, there ought to be an agreement because he will burden your heart the same way. The reason for which we are fighting each other, it was... We talk about the Holy Spirit. We know about the Holy Spirit, but he's actually not operating in us. Because if he did, we'll be of one mind. We will see the same thing. Are you with me today? A person who does not have the Spirit does not accept the truths that come from the Spirit of God. The person thinks they are foolish and cannot understand them because they can only be judged to be true by the Spirit. God is not saying that we're going to live this spooky life that everywhere we are there, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. You know how people have created their own righteousness and when they do, ah, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Then all of a sudden, man, that guy is on fire. Have you heard it? Then some will also come quiet. Holy Spirit, man, that guy is boring. Because we've established our own righteousness. And we think that is God. This one is not God. For all you know, the one that's cool, that's where God is. I remember one time somebody asked me to pray for them over an issue. And I said, Father, we thank you that this is a settled matter. In Jesus' name, amen. Then they said, Pastor, are you done? I said, yes. And I realized they were disappointed. So if you are not careful, you will satisfy them by saying things that you should not say. Me, Kofi, I won't do it. Whatever I sense in my heart, I just speak. That's it. Father, in the name of Jesus. Somebody said, why don't you do it just so you can raise their faith? You asked me to pray. So my faith is now the surrogate faith here, not yours. 
Are you learning anything today? He says, a person who does not have the spirit does not accept truths that come from God. So if we can depend on the Holy Spirit to help us make decisions, we must give him full control. Number two, we must connect through prayer. In other words, you must learn to be praying pretty much most of the time. Thirdly, you must apply scripture. If the Holy Spirit speaks, it will agree with scripture. It will never be outside scripture. Somebody had once asked me, scripture and the Holy Spirit, who is superior? And I said both. But if there ought to be an order, you must listen to the voice of the Spirit. Because in applying the scriptures, people also make mistakes if they don't listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Are you guys with me? Second Timothy chapter 3. I'll close very soon. Let's read verse 16 and verse 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for... Come on, talk to me. It is useful for teaching. In other words, he's saying the word of God would help us to learn. Much newer versions say it is useful for instruction. What I'm doing here this morning, I am giving you instruction from where? From the word of God. So I'm teaching you. So all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching. Who inspired it? The Holy Spirit. So if you deal with the Holy Spirit, he would open up the scriptures to you. Now, let me illustrate something to you. Whenever you read a scripture, do you realize that sometimes it is so general, it has nothing to do with your situation? Until the Holy Spirit takes that word and tailor it to you. So there are some who said the Holy Spirit is past. I doubt if they are born again. And I also doubt if they are receiving truths from God. Because you could said you can never receive truth from God until the Holy Spirit is in you. Are you guys with me? Else, we will have a lot of people who have established their own righteousness and they talk and sound nice in the Bible, but it has nothing to do with God. That is why the Bible says, on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, we called your name. He says, I don't know you. Because we are... We have established our own righteousness. God is saying, no, I have my own way of doing things. Amen. 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 All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing people what is wrong in their lives. If I open the scriptures and show you that this is wrong, and you keep saying you are judging me, there is something awfully wrong with your head. Because... The Bible says the word of God is to help show us. Most of the time people say, quit judging me because they already know. The, the thing is already putting them down. So they don't need an extra voice. Yeah, people know. If, if somebody is doing the wrong thing, they know. If somebody is mistreating you, they know they are mistreating. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing people what is wrong in their lives, for correcting faults. Correcting what? False. And for teaching how to live right. Verse 17, let's go on to it. Using the scriptures, the person who serves God will be capable, having all that 
is needed to do everything. So when it comes to our decision-making, the Word of God plays a role. But the Holy Spirit must take this Word and breathe on it for you, for your particular situation. Amen. Last week, we were all here rejoicing and dancing with our brother Fred and his wife, uh, Teresa, right? Because we prayed and God healed the child, right? There were some we prayed and they still died. Does that mean that we didn't pray hard? Had we taken time to find out what the will of God is through the Holy Spirit, maybe that prayer was not necessary. These are hard truths. They're, they're difficult to teach. I wish I am not sent to teach them. Because then people don't like you. I had a testimony. There are all kinds of crazy things on YouTube. I think it's time for me to stop watching anything on it. This girl is giving a testimony that the Lord had opened a door. She has had a breakthrough by snatching somebody's husband. You saying what? Yeah. She went to a particular mountain, I will not call its name, and fasted for 40 days only to retrieve somebody's husband. When there are many men looking for women to marry, she couldn't find any but this one. And I guess if I have the chance to talk to the lady, I am sure the man has money. That's the only reason. And she's sharing the testimony, and a church had put her on to share the testimony. We are living in the last days indeed. It's good I'm not God. Because I would have stayed somebody else's heart, another lady's heart, to go and re-snatch from you the next day. How do I depend on the Holy Spirit? We said that we must give him full control. We must connect with the Holy Spirit. But then we must apply scripture. Finally, you must seek wise counsel. Please, notice the order. Full control. Connect with the Holy Spirit. Apply scripture and seek wise counsel. Never take wise counsel until the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Never. That is why even when Paul had a prophetic word, he ignored it. Because he knew what God's will was for him. Amen. There are many good men. There are many good people. I'll give you characteristics of someone you can seek counsel from. Straight away, you must know it's a person full of the Holy Spirit, right? Because if he is full of the Holy Spirit, then he will receive from God and give to you. Are you guys with me? few scriptures that we can look at. Proverbs 15 verse 22 tells us that we can seek for wise counsel. And this is applicable in many areas. You may have read the Bible and don't know if you should work for a certain company because that is not in the Bible explicitly. Correct? But then you can seek wise counsel because you are not clear. But never put the wise counsel ahead of hearing from the Holy Spirit directly. Are, are you guys with me? All right, let's read a couple of those scriptures and then I will close. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. Proverbs 15 and verse 22. 
He says, plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advices, they succeed. Is that completely true? The Bible says, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety, right? But is it always true? Because sometimes you can have 10,000 counselors and they all be lying to you. It's not that easy because there might be one of them who has a connection with the Holy Spirit. That is why the, the scripture says that at least if two get it wrong, a few more will get it right. That is not that easy, but it's also possible. So I normally don't seek counsel from my mentors until I am sure of what God is saying. And sometimes I don't even want to ask them for confirmation because they might confuse me. A couple more scriptures and we'll close. Proverbs chapter 19. Look there, verse 20 and 21. Listen to counsel and receive instruction so that you may be wise later in life. Many plans are in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's decree or the Lord's purpose that will prevail. When you read 2 Chronicles chapter 10, there was a king, and I think it's Solomon's son. Is it Rehoboam or Jeroboam? I think it's Rehoboam. When he ascended to the throne, remember at that time, Jeroboam has already been chased out, and he had gone to Egypt. But when he heard Solomon was dead and his son Rehoboam had ascended the throne, Jero, right? Solomon's son is the Reho, all right? Uh, he came back. And when he came back, his whole idea was to come and assume the throne. But he couldn't because somebody was sitting on it. And so a few people gathered together, led by him, and they went to Rehoboam and asked that, can you just cool down for us? Because when your dad was there, we talk about Solomon being a wise king and he has so much money. It was because he levied so much taxes. And the people went back and said, can you just lessen stuff for us? And the scripture says, Rehoboam went to the elders who had wept with his dad. And he asked them, what do you think? And they told him, listen to the people and lessen their burden because they've given so much for so long. He turned around and says, eh, that doesn't sound favorable. So he went to the young men who were his peers and said, hey, buddy, bros, you are my bros. Tell me what's going on. Should I listen to these people? He said, no, 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 no. Give them more hard labor. And the scripture says when he unleashed the word to the people, they left and they became disloyal to him. Sometimes who you seek advice from cannot make you. So let's look at the characteristics. From this few verses we've read, it is so clear that whenever you are going for wise counsel, you must know that it is always the Lord's purpose that must prevail. Are you guys with me? Okay. So number one, if I go and look for, look for somebody who is older. I don't care what anybody thinks. Life has a way of teaching you that a young person wouldn't know. Never. Why are you quiet? I've often told young people. This morning we were driving to church. One of my boys said something to me that sometimes when 
he's among the youth and um, they're talking and complaining about their parents, he laughs. And I said, why? He said, because they will one day grow up to become their parents and realize their children are doing it to them because they're doing it the same way. And I said, son, that's really good, but how did you come to that understanding? He said, because there were many things you told me, Dad, that this doesn't work like that. And I used to think you, you were a knucklehead. I said, what? Me, a knucklehead. <laughs> but the more he interacts with people, the more he comes to understand that adults, child, they know their way. We young people, we're just rushing. You must, first of all, some characteristics in our clothes of a person that you seek wise counsel from. Look for someone who is genuinely concerned for you. There are people you may go to ask for advice and they are not genuinely concerned for you. I have seen someone who went to another friend. They were both single. And they said, I found a guy. What do you think? He said, that's not good for you. Only for her to find out in three days that she who said was not good for you, now has the guy. Look for somebody who is genuinely what? Concerned. You don't present a business idea and find out later that the person has trademarked your idea. Don't just go to anybody at all. Go to people. So I normally don't ask advice around people until I am 100% sure they are genuinely concerned in my future. They will laugh with you. They will smile at you. This is my litmus test. The person who defends you in your absence is genuinely concerned for you. Not the one who defends you when you are there. When you are not present. That's the one you know genuinely. So always seek the advice from someone who is genuinely concerned. I know by the time I will be done with the list, you will wonder, kind, are this kind of human being still present? This is why you must do everything you can to depend on the Holy Spirit. Number two, a person who is humble, yet loving enough to tell you the truth, even if it hurts. Someone who is humble, yet what? Loving enough to tell you the truth. Thirdly, it is a person who provides an honest opinion. They're not going to lie to you. It will give you honest opinion and is direct when necessary. You know how some people want to tell you the truth, but they go around the circles? If you are seeking counsel, you don't need that kind of stuff. You need somebody who will tell you, don't go that route because this is where you end up. It hurts, but um, that one will help you. Genuinely concerned, humble, yet they can tell you the truth lovingly. Thirdly, they provide an honest opinion, and they can be direct. Number four, the person you look for to help you get wise counsel should be able to be objective in the situation. And if at any time you realize that they are not objective, please don't go there. Why are you seeking marital counseling from someone who have already said they hate women? Them women, they are not good, oh. 
They are not good. You have forgotten in the Garden of Eden. Then you go to search an individual concerning your marriage and you are seeking for wise counsel. Sometimes you, you are not going to them, but you are listening to them on YouTube, on Facebook, on the radio. Be cautious who you're listening to because sometimes people are saying things, they sound nice, but the effect is not good. Are, are you guys with me? They are able to be objective in the situation. All right? The next one is that they must be spiritually mature and biblically sound. Please, never consider pseudo-spirituality as spiritual maturity. A spiritually matured person knows when to do this and when not to do this. Are you with me? They know when and where to speak tongues and where to shut up and use good language. That can be understood. Are you guys with me? Spiritually matured and biblically sound. I was dangling between using the word biblically balanced. But then I realized there are people who are biblically balanced, but they are not sound. They know how to use logic to balance something. But it is not consistent with the rest of Scripture, so they are not sound. The person you seek wise counsel from must be spiritually mature and biblically what? Sound. If someone is biblically sound, it means that they wait on the Holy Spirit to breathe on the Word before they say it. Do you realize how I keep going back to the Holy Spirit? So when we enter into Acts chapter 2, I think we will pause and start praying and seeking God for us to start having a better relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Sometimes when people speak, you can tell this is suspicion. And they, they classify suspicion as the Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm talking about. Have you realized the Holy Spirit always, about 80% of the time, will talk to you about you? before they talk to you about somebody else. If there is a correction, he will correct you first before he corrects the other people. How can you pray so hard but hate people so bad? Holy Spirit is absent. If he's present, then the fruits are not working. We'll talk about it. Spiritually matured and biblically one, sound. It should be a person who is good at listening and asking the tough questions. I'm sure they don't have it. Someone who is good at listening and asking tough what? I had um, some gossip about me. He says, don't go to Pastor Neil because he will ask you all kinds of questions. If... I go visit a doctor, and um, I tell the doctor I have a headache, when actually the problem is in my stomach. What do they give me? They give me Tylenol. And will Tylenol deal with my stomach issues? Sometimes 
There are people who come for counseling. And it's not because they want to lie. No. They don't intend to. They are being careful so they don't put all their issues out there. They've come to you, a pastor, all right, but they still want to conserve some. Why? Because they're not sure if you will judge them later. So somebody like me, I will ask you lots of questions. And you realize my questions are coming back to the same place. I'll ask them different, different ways. Walk you through a point because I'm trained at it. And by the time you realize, we are back to the same answer. And once you start giving me different answers, I'll pause and I say, what is the real issue? Let's go straight to the point because I'm not going to give you a prescription that I know is a wrong prescription. If you were a doctor and you could tell that the patient is lying to you, would you give them the, the prescription? Would you? Let me tell you a story. A woman went to a counselor to say that the husband often, anytime they have an argument and talk about a few things, the husband is often mad. And days after, the guy is still mad and he's not becoming any better. And she wants a solution to the problem. So the counselor told the lady, anytime your husband you realize that he wants to have an argument so he'll be angry. Just put water in your mouth and goggle it till he's done. The lady went home and said, I cannot believe this counselor thinks that there's a correlation between my husband's anger and just goggling water in my mouth. But what does she lose? As soon as the husband starts, she puts water in her mouth and starts gargling. Then she realized the husband would just calm down. And it continued for about a couple of months. So he went back to the counselor. He said, when you gave me that prescription, I thought there was something not right about it. But it actually worked. But can you educate me the correlation between gargling water in your mouth and calming my husband down? He says, because once there's water in your mouth, you can't speak. So the man can come down. You got it? What I'm trying to show you is that look for someone who has good listening skills and will ask you the tough questions because we want to get to the bottom so that when we give you a prescription, see, this counselor gave the lady a prescription like that because he realized the lady was not going to admit to the fact that she was talking too much and the guy couldn't deal with it. So he gave her a different prescription. There's gaga water, so you can't talk. I think the last one, and I'll close. Oh, I got two more. Look for somebody who is experienced, knowledgeable, or trained in the area you are seeking guidance. This one has to do with work. I've often found people who, you are a computer tech. You come to me, a pastor, to get advice about whether you should take their job or not. Most pastors will tell you, let me pray and seek God, which I will. But certain basic things about the job, I cannot tell you because I am not a computer wick. I understand computers a little bit, but not to that level where I'm going to give you Take this one, not that one. Take this one. Go to somebody who is 
well-vexed in that area. Are you guys with me? It's like going to someone who spends so badly and you're asking them where to put your money, how to invest it. Ask somebody who is experienced, knowledgeable in that area. Are you guys with me? If you're seeking wise counsel, seek it from the right sources. The book of Acts, Paul gives us an example. When they had a shipwreck on the island of Malta, the scripture says, before that happened, Paul had told them that there is going to be. Why? Because he heard from God and he told them. And they listened to the captain who has experienced. What I'm trying to show you that even the experience and the knowledgeable, sometimes what they say doesn't work. So he comes back to the... Mm -hmm. Want you to pay. If we will learn to cultivate that, it's going to help us. Finally, it must be somebody who exercises confidentiality and uses description. All right? The person will keep quiet. Let me put a little bit twist on this here. Because as a pastor, people have put me in very awkward positions. They will say, Pastor, you are the only one I'm telling. Before they came, they spoke to four people. So when their issues are out there, they will say, Pastor is the only one I told. And honestly, it is the one thing that infuriates me because as a pastor, the only thing I have is my word. Because the work I do, people must trust you. So your word is the most. So whenever somebody does that to me, I see you as devil because you are attacking the very root of the work I do. If you know, so I also made it a rule. As soon as you say, Pastor, you are the only one to ask you, hey, 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 wait, wait. who else have you told? Just set your head. <laughs> else, keep your stuff to yourself. I'll pray for you. God knows what you're dealing with. So we leave it alone. Are you guys with me? It is important that we come to that place that if people will seek wise counsel from us, that we use discretion. Amen. Because human beings are smart. Sometimes you may not even mention names, and people will put two and two together. I don't know how we are so good at putting two and two together, but can't wait for the Holy Spirit. May God help all of us. Amen. Did you learn anything today? Make choices only led by the Holy Spirit. You can quote scripture, you can have a prayer meeting, and you might still be wrong. I pray that we don't come to that place. Shall we pray? Father, we want to thank you for your word. I wanted to pray everyone and say, Holy Spirit, help me to make right choices. Help me to walk with you. In fact, the scripture says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons or the children of God. Shall we pray together? Come on, talk to the Lord. Talk to him. Ask him to help you. Ask him to lead you. That every second that you will remember you are not your own, so you cannot make decisions that only augurs well for you. You are not your own. That he will be in full control. That he will be in absolute control. Now the Spirit of God that will help you so you can continue to surrender. I wanted to pray and say, Lord, help me to surrender 
Help me to surrender. Sometimes we have surrendered some things, but there are some other things we don't surrender. I've seen Christians who are very good at giving, but, but every moral vice is theirs. They have surrendered money, but they've not surrendered something else. Some people are very good at some other area. Today, let's say, Lord, we lay everything at the table. We give it to you. We give it to you. We surrender. We own it up to you. Please take it. Take my life. And let it be consecrated to you. Take my moments, my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let it become that which you want it to be. I want you to speak to the Lord. Please talk to him. It's a serious matter. Because if all of our Christian life, our walk was with the Holy Spirit, there are many things we would avoid. Jesus said it this way. He says, I don't do anything on my own. I only do what I see the Father do. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was on the inside of him, showing him what the Father wants. May God bring all of us to that place. Let it be your prayer this morning and say, Holy Spirit, help me out. Help me out. Help me out. Help me out. I want to walk with you. I want to talk to you. I want to know what you are, you are thinking. I want to know what the Father wants for me in this situation. Speak to the Lord concerning that this morning. And as we pray, ask Him to forgive you in, in the cases where you have established your own righteousness and have made decisions without the help of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come with your strength. And your power come in the wrong special way. We ask you to come. Lord, we make our lives available. Please take it and roll. May we come to a place where we are completely and totally yielded to you. Lord, we know that it might not happen here on earth, but there will be progress each day in our lives. Bring us there, Lord. As I studied over this very weekend, the Lord opened my eyes to something that really struck me. I was reminded that be filled with the Spirit is not a suggestion, it's a command. Be filled with the Spirit. It's not something we can choose or decide not to. Because he knows that without the Holy Spirit, this Christian walk is going to be frustrating. As we get ready to leave this building, I want to remind you, child of God, it is not an option. The scripture says, be filled with the Spirit. Book of Galatians says, walk in the Spirit. He's not making suggestions. He told the Galatians, foolish Galatians, how in the world do you start in the Spirit and now you want to continue the other way? Why? Because 
It's a non-starter. You have to have the Holy Spirit walk in you. May God save us from making choices, from appointing leaders. Like this apostles appointed Matthias. We don't even hear of. Until Jesus brings Paul on the scene who fulfilled his purposes. Holy Spirit, come rule down in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this spiritual encounter. Need more help? Text RADIO to 301-696-8555 or visit us on the web at covenantfamilychapel.org. You may also visit us at one of our in-person services on Sundays at 10 a.m. and discover the difference that the kingdom of God makes. Like up on social media, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Covenant One Family.